The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, as our boys and girls are dismissed at this time for Kids City, Kidsville, and the rest of us, Hebrews chapter number 11. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you could get close to someone that does so that you might be able to follow along. This message has been a challenge because it's allowing us to take a look at where we are as a society. Uh, how, how do you see our families, our children, our grandchildren come to a place where in the midst of a wicked and perverse nation, they thrive in Bible Christianity? Uh, there is such a push in this world to cause people to turn their backs and faces away from God. And yet the Word of God is clear that our hope is in Christ. Uh, Christ, by the way, is our ark. Did you know that? Just like in the days of Noah, uh, that ark bore those eight souls through the great uh, flood that came upon the whole earth. And so Christ is that to us. Uh, he is the one that alone uh, there is sal- safety and there is salvation. Uh, I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 24 while you're there in Hebrews. Uh, the Bible says in verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And that's been our jumping off point. We want to recognize that uh, everything that was is coming again. Uh, Just as it was the days of Noah, so society will be once again prior to the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what we noted concerning Noah, Hebrews chapter number 11, is that by faith, according to verse number 7, by faith Noah being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. Noah was saved by faith. Matter of fact, we could add by grace through faith because Genesis 6 tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Hebrews 11 tells us that he exercised faith. And not only was he saved, but we see here that his wife followed and his three sons followed and their wives followed in faith into the safety of this ark. And let me tell you, every parent here this morning has a responsibility to lead our family safely into the ark, which is Jesus Christ. And all that in the society that we live, we would be armed and ready to help those that we love more than life, uh, lead them to the Savior. And so spiritually, as Noah prepared, we must prepare as well. And I trust that you take your responsibility as grandparents, as moms and dads seriously, and that you recognize that this whole world is not getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse as we get closer to the return of the Lord. And these precious lives are given to us in trust. 
And God's desiring for us to be an instrument uh, to see them brought to Jesus Christ. Well, let's uh, continue here. As we began uh, several weeks ago, we saw the life of Noah is history. It's not historical fiction. It's real. Matter of fact, in uh, the Scripture, we have a reference to Noah or the flood 50 different times. You're going to find Noah in nine of the different books of the Bible. Uh, Jesus spoke about Noah. Uh, Noah is not just uh, a story. It's reality. It's history. And we saw through the last few weeks some evidence of a worldwide flood. And I've been trying to add a couple video illustrations here to help you see that, you know, it's not just the Bible that gives uh, the, the uh, history of our world, our ancient world. But history does as well. And archaeology does as well. Uh, uh, Several years ago, many years ago, the Sumerian king's list was discovered. And uh, there you can see uh, one picture. I've got one more here. And as they have been able to put these together, uh, they have an interesting story that has been told. And it's a story of the kings that lived prior to the great flood and how long those kings ruled and reigned compared to the kings after the great flood. Number one this morning, the days of Noah. If you have your handout sheet, you can follow along with some notes here today. We've covered these first two points pretty much in the last uh, few Sundays together. We'll cover the third point this morning, but we saw several realities concerning the days of Noah, and we likened our day and age much like the day that Noah lived. Uh, we saw the ingenuity of man and gave uh, really a, a glimpse into not a caveman, but a highly developed individual, a highly developed humanity. Uh, things that they were able to do that to this day, can I tell you, we still haven't figured it out. Uh, we look at some of the great workings of, of mankind in ancient times and, and we just have to scratch our head and say we don't know how they accomplished that. You see, the Bible doesn't start with men in caves. The Bible starts with highly developed individuals. Uh, Cain, the Bible tells us there in the book of Genesis, he was the founder of uh, really a city. And the Bible tells us that soon after his offspring began developing uh, skills like being herdsmen and husbandry, uh, 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 dealing with metals, iron, uh, brass, and uh, metallurgy, uh, also uh, just music and the development there of music. This is all very, very early in our human history. And so we saw the ingenuity of man coupled with the immorality of man. Boy, we begin reading through these first chapters and we see it isn't very long here uh, before uh, God uh, looks upon a society and says, listen, you're going away from my principles when it comes to uh, relationship between a man and a woman. And, and God is the one that decreed marriage and the boundary of marriage. One woman, one man. 
And yet we see very early on in in human history that uh, multiple wives are being taken. And then we see other kinds of immorality that spring up uh, in Genesis chapter number 6. So ingenuity of man, the immorality of man, the imagination of man. Let me read Genesis 6 verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. Think about that. Here we have the imagination of man. It is just set on doing evil. Whatever God laid down as law that was verbally uh, given from, from father to son, that in itself was ignored. And we see every man is now going to do what is right in their very own eyes. And so the imagination of man, uh, it's wicked. And let me tell you, there's an apostasy that is ruling and that is reigning. I want you to think this through. Uh, Noah, uh, of course, comes from that righteous line of Seth, but that righteous line of Seth wasn't so righteous because Noah was the only one that got on the boat. You know, sometimes we've got this idea, well, this is the lineage of Cain, and this is the lineage of, of, uh, uh, of Seth, and, uh, and one's the righteous seed, and one's an ungodly seed. By the time you get to Genesis 6, everybody's ungodly. The Bible just tells us concerning Noah that he walked with God. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, what about the brothers and sisters of Noah? What about his aunts and uncles? We know that his granddad, Methuselah, passed away at the very moment here uh, that uh, I believe the, the heavens opened and the rain started coming down because that was God's mercy. Uh, Methuselah, when he's gone, judgment will come. And 969 years after Methuselah uh, was born, the flood came, he passed away, and we see that this one family alone is saved. We saw the indifference of man. Second uh, Peter chapter number 3 uh, tells us how it was in the, uh, the days of Noah and how it is going to be in the days when the Son of Man come. And they're going to say, where is the promise of His coming? And apathy. Where's the, where's the promise? And indifference. Ah, yeah, you've been telling that Noah story and the judgment of God forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, he judged the world with water, and now he's going to judge the world with fire. We've heard that uh, all of our lives. And the indifference uh, that began to permeate the thought processes of humanity, uh, the apathy that came towards spiritual things. Listen, when you and your heart is fixed, your imagination is fixed on wickedness continually, And every waking moment of your life is just, how can I live for my flesh? How can I live to please me? Oh, let me tell you something. Uh, There is uh, a drastic difference here between when one walks with God, when seeking God's grace, and one whose imagination is evil continually. And yet that was the earth at this time. And then we see an intolerance that came, or an anger. The Bible says, violence fill the land. Uh, There were uh, people that were rising up against neighbors and and communities, rising up uh, against other communities, and much violence and mayhem in the land. 
Listen, you don't have to look very far. Uh, turn on whatever station you want on the television. You're going to see violence is filling the earth. And we've got to realize that God said, Listen, I'm telling you, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes. And there's a similarity. And we have got to take note of where we are as a people in this world and what is taking place and then lead our families in a way that God uh, is going to be glorified and exalted in their life and they're going to come to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The days of Noah, we went on to the delay of judgment. Go with me to 2 Peter 3 for just a second. 2 Peter chapter number 3. The delay of judgment. And listen, this passage talks about how uh, the, the, love, uh, the long-suffering of God. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. I'm reading verse number 9 of chapter 3. Long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that a wonderful God? Listen, He delayed the judgment. The longest human being that ever lived was Methuselah. God knew when Methuselah would die, the flood would come, and God just let Methuselah have one more day, one more week, one more hour. And God was long-suffering. Let's go up a couple verses in chapter 3. Look at uh, verse, uh, I'll start in verse number 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That's an important phrase. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old. I tell you what, mankind looks at the creation of God and Boy, we used to look out into the universe and, and be in awe of the creation. We look at the human body. Uh, now we have the ability to look at the smallest, uh, tiniest uh, little things through microscopes. And every time we look, uh, we marvel at uh, the intricacies of our God and the creation of God. And we're willingly ignorant of who made it all. How do you explain the human body? How do you explain here the human eye and, and, and its capabilities? How, how do we explain here this universe and, and how it's, it's, it's kept together? Or our planet and the reality here that, uh, boy, just take us a, a little closer to the sun or a little farther away from the sun and we would not be able to live on what we know is planet Earth. God specifically created this world for you and for me. And it's marvelous. The heavens declare the glory of God. Everywhere we look, we see the fingerprints of Almighty God. And here in the, the day of Noah, there was a delay of judgment. Uh, we see it was a time of preparing for Noah. Now, while he was preparing, and we're going to get into that in, in, in the next point, but listen, I'm going to tell you, uh, he must have had some relatives that wanted to have some serious uh, counseling time with old Noah concerning his, uh, uh, I, I don't know, uh, his desire to build this uh, huge boat. 
And uh, what, what are you doing with your life savings, Noah? And uh, what are you doing here trying to build this thing in the middle of nowhere? And yeah, you say God talked to you. But you can just imagine the banter from the neighbors and from relatives and from others in the area as Noah just went at his work of preparing for what he knew was yet to come. Listen, if you really believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, are you preparing? If you really believe here that we are kind of winding down as, uh, as a society, uh, that uh, we look at this old world and we see, listen, how long is it going to be able to be uh, held together? And, and what is uh, coming on the horizon? Second Peter 3 goes on and says, listen, there's some that are willingly ignorant. By the way, there are things that scientists find that they have to push into a file of we can't explain that. Uh, we just saw the, uh, the, the, the illustration here just a second ago. And uh, they, they, they just go, well, we, we don't have an answer for that. Uh, they find here, as we saw last week, uh, skeletons in the desert of, uh, of seafaring animals, and they don't have an answer for that. They find uh, uh, sea creatures as fossils high up in, in the uh, uh, mountains, the, some of the highest mountains on our planet, and they're scratching their heads and they're saying, listen, what are these fossils doing here? There's no explanation. It's inconvenient science for them. Uh, it's something that you sweep under the rug, or it's something here uh, that they look at and they say, well, that's something we just don't want to get out. Uh, they're willingly ignorant because they have their own agenda, and their agenda is a godless agenda, and there's no room for God. And anything here that would uh, just allow us to look at the Word of God seriously and say, you know what, uh, it's not just the Bible that's speaking uh, that truth. We're seeing it in other places as well. So there is this preparing time. Look at verse 6 of 2 Peter 3. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. This is uh, Peter writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. This is fact. This is our history. Verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. There's a preparing time. There's a, there ought to be a, a preparing time during these days. If we believe here that Jesus is nigh to coming, then are we preparing spiritually? Uh, is our hunger for the things of God? Is our hunger for this book? Are, are, are we desiring our children here uh, to uh, get excited about the things of God? Uh, you know, when, when you look at uh, the sports world, you can identify fanatics, can't you? Pretty easy. You just go to the stadium uh, in the fall uh, of one of these NFL teams, and boy, are you going to see some fanatics Right? They're going to have all the different colors. And, you know, in Wisconsin, where I'm from, here it's December and they're shirtless. And, I mean, they're crazy about their team and, and uh, they're fanatical. And it seems like we can be fanatical about almost anything on the planet except fanatical about God. Uh, they'll call you weird. They'll call you odd. They'll, they'll call you peculiar. Oh, man, you go to church? How, how many times do you go to church? You give how much? 
uh, of your uh, income to, to, to God. What in the world? And they don't understand it. They, they have no idea that we're not living for this world. We are laying up treasures in heaven. We're not living for the here and now. We're, here, we're living here for the Lord. And God is allowing us here to be preparing spiritually as well our own lives and our households uh, because uh, there is a judgment that's coming. Uh, for the child of God, I'm so glad that God teaches that we are snatched out of this place and before God finally judges this old earth after this tribulation period and uh, after that thousand-year millennial reign, there is going to be a judgment by fire. And we see here God has decreed it. A preparing time for Noah, also a preaching time for Noah. Go back to 2 Peter 2.5, and then we'll get to Hebrews. 2 Peter 2.5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. See, a part of his preparing, a part of Noah's life at that time was the proclaiming of the truth that God is providing safety if you'll just come to the ark. And there, that preacher of righteousness would, would preach uh, boldly concerning a, a judgment that was coming, a flood that was coming that would destroy everything. And we see here that as he proclaimed, as he preached, his converts were only those of his own family. Uh, that astounds me. But I realize here, when the whole world is given over to wickedness and immorality, uh, those that seek to walk with God are looked upon as fools. And I think Noah was looked upon as a fool. Not from God's perspective, from humanity's perspective. But when those clouds started to roll and that rain started to come, can you imagine how quickly people were running toward that ark uh, trying to uh, get on board because everything that Noah had warned, warned about was absolutely coming true. And yet it was too late because my Bible tells me in Genesis here that God shut the door. Listen, you may be here without Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, uh, if God's working in your heart and He's convicting you of the reality that unless you're in Christ in the safety of that ark, there is no salvation for you. You need to get saved. You need to trust Jesus Christ alone as your Savior because there's only safety in Him. And oh, I encourage you even this morning, respond to the preaching of the Word of God. Allow God's Word to impact uh, your heart and your life. I have a little uh, slide here. Of course, the world looks at preaching a little different than you and I do, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish. What? It's foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. You know, this service here this morning and in other churches where the gospel is being proclaimed, can I tell you, most of the world is not interested. But for the child of God, listen, this is how God reached my heart. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God was proclaimed. I, I, I uh, yielded here to the working of the Spirit of God in my heart. And there, in, in a preaching service, I saw that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. And at the invitation, at the end of that service, I, I came forward and I received Jesus Christ alone as my Savior. And I don't regret uh, one uh, moment of the life that God's given to me in Christ. So glad I'm I'm in Christ. I'm so glad I'm saved. And I tell you, the greatest life in all the world is a life of that one that is saved. So let's go to the decision of Noah here. The decision of Noah. I want you to see here, the decisions that Noah made impacted his family and impacted himself. Number one, a decision concerning Noah's future. A decision concerning Noah's future. I have uh, verses that coincide here with each of these points, and it goes back to that Hebrews 11. And I want you to see in verse number 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Of things not seen as yet. A decision concerning Noah's future. God warned. Noah listened. Now, God, uh, I'm sure here, uh, um, there was questions in Noah's mind as God started to give the plan and, and this covenant that he was going to have with Noah and his family and, and how you're going to have to build this ark and here's the dimensions of it and, and uh, there, there's going to be animals from, from this earth that you're going to care for in that ark until that water subsides. I want you to recognize here that a decision that he made was a decision concerning his future. He could have said, God... I don't understand ark. I don't understand worldwide flood. I don't understand how I'm to be a zookeeper. I don't understand how I'm going to build this thing. I don't understand how I get all these materials. I don't understand how I get the workforce. But he was looking to the future. And here we see that the decisions that Noah is about to make, he made concerning things not seen as yet. You know why, Christian husband, you want to lead your family? Uh, in, in, in a way where they're going to be surrounded with the truth of the Word of God and immersed in, 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 in uh, God's church. And uh, listen, their best friends ought to be the friends that are developed here in a, in a, in a Christian environment. Why are you going to do that? Because of a future that you are seeing by faith. Noah saw the flood by faith. Noah recognized that, all right, there's no evidence around me that it's imminent, but I believe God. And so I am going to do what needs to be done. And so a decision was made concerning Noah's future. Number two this morning, I want you to see a decision is made concerning Noah's faith. Hebrews 11 Verse number 7, the first two words there are by faith. By faith. You know, Noah had to come to a personal, uh, a place where personally he received the grace of God in his own life. You know, my Bible tells me that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord in Genesis chapter number 6. 
And that tells me that he was looking for grace. You know, if, if, if I lose something and I'm looking for it, uh, and then I find it, it's because I was looking for it. Why, why did Noah find grace? Because he was looking for grace. He's not the only Bible character that we have that looks for grace. Uh, Ruth, the Moabitess, uh, she is now uh, in the city of bread, Bethlehem, and she's a stranger, and she's not supposed to be included here into uh, the, the family of the Jewish nation. And yet, chapter 2, verse 2, you read it yourself. Uh, what did she do? She found, or she found grace. She was looking for grace, is what the Bible actually says. How do I not know? That if I go out into these fields, that I'll find grace. That somebody will look upon me as a stranger and, and provide for me some nourishment so that I can share it here with my mother-in-law. Listen, uh, the faith, the decision concerning Noah's faith is personal. Based on the Word of God. Based on the warning of God. He responded by faith. I tell you, the the sentence that gripped my heart when I got saved, and I'm going to tell you, I grew up in a Christian home. And uh, I was around church all the time. I was a deacon's kid. I was in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I was Wednesday night prayer meeting. I was at youth activities. You name it, I was there. And you have a classic illustration of a young person that grew up in church that never personally put their faith in Jesus Christ. My mom did. My dad did. I was in church. I sat. I listened. But I never personally came to faith in Jesus Christ until uh, a young adult man, now uh, 21, 22 years old, uh, recognizing as the preacher preached, he said, a, he said a phrase, and that phrase was that God never saved anyone for being a preacher I was training to be a preacher as a lost person. And the preacher simply said, God never saved anybody for being a preacher. And God smote my heart. And I got up, I was with a youth group at that time that I had brought to that conference. And I went forward and I got on my knees and everybody thought, oh, he's going up there to counsel somebody. I wasn't going up there to counsel with anybody. I knew that I needed to get saved. You don't get to heaven riding on dad's coattails or mom's coattails. You, you don't become a child of God just because your family is quote-unquote Christian. It's a personal thing. It's an individual thing. It's by grace. It's through faith. You don't get saved by coming to a church service. You don't get saved by being a member or getting dunked in, in a baptistry. That's not how you get saved. You get saved by grace through faith. And that is how Noah came to know, Jesus, uh, know God. And the Bible tells us here that it was all of faith. His decision concerning his future, his con decision concerning his faith, number three, a decision concerning Noah's fear. Look at Hebrews 11, verse 7. I've got it up on the screen as well. Look at this. It's underlined. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. That's what happened that day when I was listening to that preacher. I was moved with fear. My intentions were good. Listen, I became a good Baptist just like a Mormon becomes a good Mormon. You grow up in it. You're around it. You do it. Why? Because everybody else does it. It's natural. 
But can I tell you, that's not God's plan. God's plan here is that you recognize personally that there is an eternity that's before us. And we're either in Christ and He saves us or we're outside of Christ. And my friend, we're doomed for all eternity in a place called hell. There's only one of two destinations for everyone alive today. And and personally, by grace through faith, we must come to Jesus Christ. And He was moved with fear. I I recognize how difficult it was in an auditorium of 5,000 people with many, many that were there, including my own sisters, that looked to me as big brother, spiritual leader. Teenagers that were in that youth group that looked to me as a spiritual leader, and I was a fake. I was a phony. I thought, oh yeah, well I did that, I think. And yet never personally came to that place myself. And God crushed my heart so that I recognized that this salvation is a personal thing but with, with a personal God. And I did not want to spend eternity in hell. And I was moved with fear. It was Noah. He was moved with fear. You say, hey, everybody will laugh at me. They think I'm already saved here at church. Would you rather have, and by the way, there's not one person that would ever laugh at anyone that comes to know Jesus Christ genuinely a Savior. No one would ever, ever, ever that's born again would laugh at you. First of all, that's just Satan's lie. That's just Satan just trying to keep you from doing what you know you ought to do, and that's just get saved. Right? And, and, and so Satan makes it difficult, and you're standing, and you're thinking, oh, what will all these people say? Are you willing to spend eternity in hell because you're afraid of what people will say? That's the question. Are, are you willing to go to hell for all eternity because you're afraid of what someone might say. I found that when I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I told my pastor he was the most happy man on the planet. It wasn't he was embarrassed. Oh man, I put this guy in charge of the youth group. It was, praise God, you got saved. What a blessing. Wonderful. And that Sunday I got baptized in front of the whole congregation and I gave my testimony on what happened that week. And I said, listen folks, uh, God showed me that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I received His wonderful grace by faith. And I know, I know, I know that I'm born again. And what a joy that was. And what a blessing it was. And let me tell you something. Whatever's keeping you from Jesus Christ, don't allow peer pressure. Don't allow some thought you have in your mind to keep you from just yielding to this wonderful invitation of God to be saved. Oh, this morning uh, we see a decision he made about his future, things not seen as yet, about faith, Hebrews eleven seven. about fear, he was moved with fear, about focus, look at what he did, look at the next thought, focus. What was his focus over these years? Well, here's what the Bible says. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet moved with fear, prepared an ark. That's what he did. That was his focus. His focus was simply, I'm I'm going to just immerse myself in God's Word, and to the best of my ability, I want to do what God wants me to do. That's what he did. 
Go back to Genesis. Keep your something, your finger there, a page there. But Genesis, I need you to see this. God, at the end of chapter number 6 of Genesis, is now going to lay out the blueprint for this ark and what needs to be done and, and what's going to transpire and how his uh, children, his sons and their wives are, are going to come on board. Verse 17 says, And behold, I even I do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. Notice verse 22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. You know, we call him a religious fanatic when actually all he was was a a believer in God that took seriously the Word of God and said, hey, God said it. I believe it. And I am going to give myself to accomplishing the tasks that God laid out for me. His focus clearly was doing what God asked him to do. Listen, that wouldn't be a bad thing for any one of us to focus on during our days of Noah. Yeah, you're going to get peer pressure. You're going to get those that are going to push back on you and say, ah, come on, lighten up a little bit, have some fun. Ah, those rules, those are man-made rules. No, 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 no. God in His Word has laid out His truth for us. And by faith, I look into the Word of God and I just believe what God says. And I just want to the best of my ability, just do what He asks me to do. Uh, just trust Him in that area. That was His focus. He's going to prepare the ark. Got a slide here. Go forward. Maybe two. There you go. The, the size of Noah's ark. Uh, 522 boxcars. You and I, we just can't imagine. Go back one slide. And, you know, as I think of Noah uh, building here and, and uh, what it took. 450 feet long approximately. Uh, I mean, just think of how large this thing is. One and a half football fields for you that have been to a high school football game lately. That's a big boat. That's a whole lot of lumber. Three stories high. Able to handle here all the animal kinds. By the way, they were all different kinds of animal. Uh, He didn't need uh, all the feline species, all right? He just needed the one uh, parent couple and all the others. Uh, you know, you go to the New York right now, you got the breeders cut, you know, for the breeding of the, the different dogs and over generations, you know, the different varieties that come. Listen, God built it into that kind. So I don't need every dog. I don't need every kind of cat. I don't need every kind of everything, right? I just need enough so that uh, over time here we can see a repopulation of the planet uh, with these animals. Let's close it here this morning. The last thought, a decision concerning Noah's family. A decision concerning Noah's family. Look at the verse one more time. By faith, Noah, being warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. What did he do? He prepared an ark. Why? To the saving 
of his house. Mom and dad, you better get serious about the things of God because there's little eyes that are watching you. I mean, just get a little fanatical about living for God because it's tough for this young generation. It's tough for this generation of teens. It's tough for this generation of little children and what they're exposed to at this tender young age. It's, it's unbelievable, the society that these children and teenagers are growing up into and, and these young adults are growing up into. Listen, why did Noah prepare to the saving of his house? That's why. Listen, I don't think I can be dedicated enough to my God during this time, these days of Noah. I I don't think I I can give myself uh, too much to my God and to His Word and to His plan and purpose for my life. And oh, that we would see that that especially in the days of Noah, can I tell you something? Uh, I'm thrilled that that Noah and his three sons uh, were all on board. Think about the three wives. Every one of them had parents. Every one of them would have had brothers and sisters, right? Every one of those three wives would have had uncles and aunts and maybe grandpas and grandmas. Where were they? Can you imagine the pressure of mommy coming up to the ark and just saying, Hey, hey, Susie, Susie! Hey, you know, I don't know what you're doing. You're destroying your life with this kook family. Come on down. Nothing's going to happen. Oh, the pressure that must have been on them as they laughed at this preacher of righteousness and how these wives just said, No, uh, Noah's faith is now my faith. As the sons trusted in God personally, by grace, through faith, we see that God saved them. And our opportunity during this time of Noah, is to prepare uh, not only for the salvation of our own family, but the salvation of so many others if we'll just let God use us. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.